Welcome to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups, the show for growing businesses moving at the speed of light. I'm your host, Sophie Power. Welcome back to Talent Hacks for Scale-Ups. I'm your host, Sophie Power, the talent lead here at Zinc, the essential element in background checking. Today, I am super excited to introduce Katrina Collier, candidate experience expert, speaker, and author of The Robot Proof Recruiter. Welcome. Well, hello, Sophie Power. Good to see you. Been too long. It has. It has. It's been far too long. Um, But yeah, I'm really happy you're here. Me too. I think I nagged my way onto this one as well. Because, you know, well, you're one of my favourite humans. I had to talk to you. Oh, thanks. It's, it's high time, though. I've, I've, I've been on... I've been on a quite a, quite a few of your shows, so I think I think it's high time you can you come and join mine. Yes, so this is true, actually. Yeah, so I don't I don't think nagged really so much as uh, we actually managed to sync up diaries finally, which is uh, half the challenge. Yes, I know, and also I've been doing this incredible piece of work for a company called DNV. So I've been to India, Poland, and Houston, and we're about to do it again. They're investing in their recruiters so amazingly. It's so lovely at this time when so many companies are doing the opposite to see this this company going, right, we want you all to be at this level. So, yeah, I'm about to hop on a plane again. So you're lucky you got me in. There we go. There we go. Thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's um, no, it's been exciting to see. And, and, and like you said, it's been a difficult time for recruiters. There's been a lot going on in the industry. So it is refreshing to see companies investing, definitely. I think what I find extremely sad, though, is I hoped in 2020, when all of the recruiters were laid off, that they would come back with some empathy and some compassion and, you know, change the recruitment process. But here we are again, layoffs and people starting to look for work again, and they're going through exactly the same really bad candidate experience they went through three years ago. And I just find it quite incredible that we just don't seem to learn. So bit heartbreaking yeah the the sort of the boom and bust cycle in the past what is it four years now three years four years it's it's got shorter and shorter um and it's it's crazy and it was it was already pretty wild I mean I I came of age in in the crash so you know it's it's been boom and bust for for pretty much all of my career but seeing it um that cycle contract even more so has been really quite something it certainly haven't been the roaring 20s no no no. and we were so excited in January 2020 weren't we we were we were I had the biggest pipeline of work that I'd ever come into a year having and it all vaporized in uh, March it was lovely but let's not go back there (laughs) yeah let's not go back let's look forward (laughs) amazing so you've already kind of hinted a little bit but for anyone who has been um sorry folks living under a rock and doesn't know um (laughs) would you mind telling us a little bit more about you see I sometimes think everybody knows who I am and then I realize actually I don't actually have that many followers on LinkedIn compared to some people but then my followers are recruiters so they're quite niche yeah I'm just like in a bubble of recruitment but yes I am probably best known as the author of the robot proof recruiter which was first published in 2019 I know we're going to talk about the second edition which came out last year but I have been in the industry for (coughs) 20 years um (coughs) somehow it feels a bit scary saying that um I've been in-house I've been uh, sorry I've been agency I've been in-house I have been a trainer I was teaching sourcing for a long time 
Then I wrote the book. And then since then, I've been doing a lot of design thinking workshops with companies to get them to really get to the bottom of their recruitment issues and to fix it for the sake of the candidates, really, for the poor people going through the recruitment process. Uh, so that's mostly what I do and speak a lot. I've got to speak at all most of the conferences on five continents, which is quite mind blowing. So I've quite a global view on recruitment. Um, and, and I write a lot as well, just like my LinkedIn newsletter on top of the book. And I'm writing another couple of books, which I also know we'll touch on. So. I know, I'm busy. Well, I, I should be writing, but I've been too busy traveling and delivering work. It's like, ah, I need to, when I get back from this next run, I'm just going to park any work for a couple of months and get them, get them written. Yeah, finding the time to actually uh, hash out the words. Because I think the, the first challenge, I was speaking to Jessie Zwan, who has, uh, recently released Built for People um, her first book and, and talking about kind of product focused people operations and sort of talking through that process of just getting words down on paper and going right let's let's sit down and write something we can worry about the edit later um, yeah I think it's trusting and I know you're starting to write a book and I can't wait to actually like let me coach you with it as well let me help you because it's when you get away from what you really want to write you'll get writer's block it's quite funny. And I found that because I mm. wanted to talk about technology, but how the human uses it. I didn't want to talk about the technology. And yeah. so I sometimes say we get to the bit on ATS. I am never going to recommend an ATS because everybody has an opinion and none of them have got a good opinion on all of them. Right. So it was like, I'd, I'd get writer's block and it was because actually I don't want to talk about which ATS to buy. I want to talk about what to consider when you're buying one or how to use it or, you know, and it was, so I'd sway back again. And, and that's my only piece of advice for anyone writing is if, if you get too far away from what you really want to be saying, you'll get writer's block. Just go back to what you really want to say, like what's inside. Definitely. I, I would agree with that from personal experience when I'm, I'm very early stages at, at the time of recording with uh, what I'm writing. I'm quite excited about it, but I got in a bit of a rut. I sort of had this flash of inspiration, mapped out this whole kind of plan, things like that, um, sent it to a friend of mine who's an author as well. And she was like, this is great. You need to do this. And then I got stuck because I got too in my head about what I was writing, started focusing on the wrong thing. Um, and then I just uh, sort of recently sat down and went, right, just, just get something down on paper and just start writing. And then... The words flowed and I got 15 pages out of out of oh, yeah. a weekend, which I thought was quite productive. Yeah, and, and that that's a lot of words in a weekend. So, yeah, sort of moving moving back to the Robot Proof Recruiter, it was a great success. I was very honoured, for those listening and, and unaware, I was very honoured to be able to read it and review it um, sort of prior to its publication. I, I was at the launch party as well, back when we did in-person parties, which was so much fun um I know an alcoholic it was very warm do you yes. remember as well for London it was like 30 degrees or something stupid and we were all sweating and drinking and no food yeah 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 um yeah I think yeah well that was four four five years ago now Two, that was 2019 so it, it came out official on the 3rd of August 2019 which just happened to be my father's 90th birthday hence I remember the date um and then the second edition came out last year on the 3rd of August, but he passed before then. So I actually dedicated this one to Derek Zeller, who was um, an incredible contributor to the industry as well, who'd sadly passed. So amazing. Amazing. It needed an update. Yeah. 
<laughs> they needed a pandemic well, overhaul. <laughs> yeah, but something, something, the world of work changed drastically. Can't think why. Um, and my little was... paragraph, my entire paragraph on flexible working suddenly seemed quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you have to change at least that one paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe expand on it. I don't, I mean, I don't know, um, but there we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's the first edition was a huge success. Everybody, you know, practitioner and, and vendor and all of that good stuff that I spoke to had great feedback about it. And I think one of the things I, I personally really loved about your approach to writing the robot proof recruiter was your, desire to have the practitioner in mind um you know going back to the point that you made about you don't want to talk about which ats you want to talk about how people use tech Um, i wanted it to be gritty i wanted people to write on it and stick post-its i'd rather they bought the paperback right and had it on their desk which i mean usually my copy is within reach because i'll forget something and i'll be like oh what was that tech or what was that thing that can help with that and and I've seen it like that. I've seen it with handwriting. But the other thing was, I was very aware that I haven't sat and recruited for a long time. So I didn't want anyone to go, oh, Collier, who do you think you are? So that's why there are so many voices. I think there's about 85. I should actually add it up in the second edition. So there are even more. I wanted people to share their stories, their examples, their successes, you know, their horror stories even, so that people would go, oh, this really resonates with me. This is true. This is valid. Um, and I found a lot of the other books that were out there at the time were very like strategy. They were high level, not, this is a gritty book. This is day to day. This is what a recruiter is doing at their desk. Um, and, and that was the idea, but really also to, you know, I know we're going to talk a bit about automation, but really the biggest game changer to recruitment was the internet. Everything else has just flowed on from that. I mean, even the ability to use automation to send LinkedIn invites connects is only there because of the internet. Like all of this stuff is because my job, talking to you online via Zencaster, recording this, the internet, right? And and I think we forget how it just changed everything and opened the door and everything you do, all your behavior, it's on the internet. And that's that's what the ethos is all the time, is just be aware how you're using these tools and automation yeah and being really conscious of that for sure and I I think I mean you can go on Amazon and have a look at my review uh dear listener if if you so desire to fact check me on this but that is pretty much what I, I wrote in my review there's so many this tip is great why am I not doing this already kind of advice in the robot proof recruiter and I think that is so important when looking at uh a professional book um I'm super excited to read, uh, as I talked about in a previous episode, uh, Jesse's Zwan's Built for People as well, because again, it's got that practical hands-on advice um, that, that you can just, you can put the book down, put it to the other side of your desk and go and give it a go and, and implement it um, right exactly. there and then. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned there are some changes to the second edition. Um for those, and I'm very sorry to say, including myself, uh, I've been uh, a, little, a little bit swamped. So I, I have a confession She's to make. She's lying. Literally. She actually sleeps with it under her pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not yet read the second edition and I am so sorry. Uh, I'm and a I terrible don't, podcast host. I, I truly don't care. Um, I Yeah, I, I mean, we had this conversation off air, you know, someone was sort of saying, will you read my recruitment book? And I try not to read other recruitment books because I don't want to be accused of plagiarising. 
you know, I want to have my own thinking. So I get it, you know, and we are busy. I have plenty of books up there on the shelf behind me that I haven't yet got to. Um, but what's different? Well, you know, the pandemic, obviously. But the, to write a second edition, you only change the book about 25 to 30%. So some of the changes will be quite subtle, um, but it is really, I mean, even more showing how the shift in power went to candidates, um, went through and checked all of the technology, all of the links, uh, made sure all of those were up to date. Some We lost some, you know, the, there were casualties due to the pandemic. So making sure all the tech was fresh, new examples. Um, I found people were even more confident to write on the internet and I think the thing is that the pandemic forced a lot of people who weren't confident internet users into being that everyone was forced online so there's an example in there from somebody who was working at one of the big job board companies that we all know and love who had found that they weren't as they weren't as open and non-biased as they claimed to be and he wrote his experience as an employee on LinkedIn on a LinkedIn article that is there for the world to see. And then he wrote a part two after he left and started his new company and his new company CEO went, their loss, our gain. Thank you very much. You know, like really this, this confidence that people have that if you're going to give me a bad experience, be it candidate or employee, I am going to write it on the internet. I'm going to write it on LinkedIn. I don't care. When I started out in the world of work, you'd have never done that. So I found even more examples. So there's more of that in there as well. Just how, yeah, just how confident people are. And it's like companies just need to wake up. They just need to, if they really haven't yet, just get on with it already. Right. It's, uh, and, and yeah, I remember reading sort of about the, you know, at the start of your book about the way that, you know, things like salary transparency, you know, knowing what jobs are out there, what jobs you can do, you don't know. It's, you know, even just being able to go and walk around the blocks to take a phone call um, from a recruiter, like you couldn't do that. Um, you had to have a coded chat on your desk phone, um, uh, you know, or, or... Well, now they just open their laptop. People are still working remotely many days a week. So it's just opening their laptop and, and having another interview. They've got the offer. They're still opening their laptop, having another interview. Like it's this this thing of, oh, but we've given them a, a signed contract. They're going to start. No, they're not. They're still opening their laptop and having another interview. Not everybody, but people with skills that are in demand certainly are. Um, and, you know, I am one gang. Um, you've got to keep that in mind when you're not just looking at your recruitment process, not just looking at, you know, making sure that you've, uh, you know, sort of done the briefing right, scoped the rollout well, held a great recruitment process, kept in contact. You've got to remember the onboarding bit as well um, and the pre-boarding. Um, you've got to get them to start. Yeah. You've, they've, still, they've still, got to, still got to turn up on day one. Um, it's still got to start. Yeah. Um, and that bit's so important. It's, not, it's just not a given anymore. It's just so, so different. Yeah. I mean, I've, at the time of recording, I literally had a no-show for an interview yesterday. And this is a candidate that I've been in constant contact with um, over the past like fortnight. Um, and literally spoke to on like Thursday, Friday. Um, and then on the Monday, you know, radio silence. Like it's, it still happens, um, you know. And so you have to be able to say like, I've, I've, you know, sort of done my bit and I've, I've, you know, been a, a robot proof recruiter. The thing is that with that, with that, they feel empowered to ghost and they're not concerned about the consequences. And you probably feel a bit irked. You probably feel a bit irritated, 
but you don't feel down or depressed. And I think this is the other thing that I talk about a lot in the book and also saw more evidence of when somebody applies for a job and they don't hear back, they think that's ghosting. Yeah. We think it's ghosting when we don't give them interview feedback, for example. You know, there's sort of fundamental differences in how people think to recruiters. Um, but that that we have a responsibility because we're leaving people down or depressed if we don't give them interview feedback compared to you know, we're, we're annoyed, we're irritated, but at the same time, a good recruiter gets it. They understand you know, the people that have skills that are in demand. Sometimes you just can't compete. You don't really know what's going on in their heads. Yeah, exactly. They just open a laptop and have another interview. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're all human beings, you know, there's, there's a million different reasons why you might not move forward with a candidate. And there's a million different reasons why the candidate might not move forward with you either. Um, but you know, there's, there's sort of lots of, of kind of different nuances there that you know we we have to think about so with that you know our we've got lots of candidates coming in we're giving them a a brilliant candidate experience we're keeping in touch with them we're keeping them up to date it's a lot of it it feels a a little bit like sometimes from my perspective air traffic control I don't know if any recruiters listening to this are are nodding in agreement but I you know I do feel like I'm I'm air traffic control and and my ATS is Heathrow Airport sometimes um certainly at the moment, um, due to market forces, um, you know, (laughs) a much higher inbound than I'm used to in a seed stage startup. Um, (laughs) So um, with that in mind, I've got to start to look towards, okay, being a robot proof recruiter, but also looking at how robots can help me. Um, And, you know, what kind of automation tools and techniques I can use to free up my time so that I can do high quality, more human stuff. It's funny, isn't it? Because some of it just seems crazy to me. In a way, we've created so much drama. So back in our early days of recruiting, we would get a CV in and we would just call the person and the person would run outside, have coded conversations, as you mentioned earlier. Now we seem to create like five emails just to have a phone call, which I just find really silly. It Personally, it's like, do we really need to warn people about a screening? Like, if we're just going through the initial bit and like, okay, I want to talk in more depth. When can you? And then you slot the time, like two phone calls and you're there. So in some ways we've created it, but then that is of course, those sorts of things are the perfect time, aren't they? To say, you know, thanks for your CV. I want to hear more. Could you schedule a time in my diary and give them a calendar link? You know, that's to me, uh, even feedback from an interview. It's like, I, um, I talk about Mark Mansour in my book. Mm -hmm. Um, he was, he, he would use, He'd send an email and say, I have feedback for you. If you'd like it, book a time in my diary. And then people who know that they've had a really bad interview won't because they're like, oh, thanks. It's okay. I know. You know, like, and others will be like, oh my God, thanks. Yes. And so you're making, you're making it easier for yourself by opening up times in your diary where you can do that. Um, and you know, like, um, I use Calendly. Um, I've had somebody book in this morning for a call and it's, it's hooked up to several diaries. Mm. And it's never failed me. I've only failed me if I forgot to block time off. Yeah. But it's never, you know, it's always works for me. And they've got a new tool as well, which I think does like panels and all that kind of stuff. And it's not the only one. There are countless of them. So you're kind of going, that's the sort of stuff. Use it. My my problem with automation is if it's used to just spam. So like I, I'll hand on heart. Sorry, LinkedIn. I do use a robot that I think is brilliant. I use Wallaxi to send personalized, very targeted invites to connect. And when somebody accepts, they do get a message then in the next day. But it's targeted. It's personalized. It's not unexplained. It's not irrelevant. Those sorts of things. 
I hate them. Yeah. Like if, if I'm sending someone a connection request, unless it is so blindingly obvious why I'm connecting, i.e. I'm standing in front of you and we're having a face-to-face conversation, I'm pinging yeah, yeah. off. Um, I, I like just just one line. Why why do you want to talk to me? Um, maybe it's like yeah. it's an autism thing. I mean, I'm sat here in a rainbow dinosaur t-shirt. For those of you not watching the YouTube video, um, <laughs> I um, you know, just, just just like why why do you want to connect? Um, and then I don't. I I see there's no message, and I see, you know, you you've got a product or you're an agency recruiter, or I have no idea what you actually do because it's not remotely clear from your LinkedIn profile. I'm just like. I'm not going to accept that because you're just going to start spamming me with sales messages. Like I had recently had somebody, um, cause you know, I have a podcast. I don't know if anyone's noticed, um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I thought, yep. Yeah, okay, cool. Right. Okay. Thanks for the nice personalized message. And then they just sent me a link to their podcast with no other message. Um, and then a week later sent me, Hey, could you give this a like? I want to get more views on it. And I'm just like, I don't know who you are. What? Um, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about you. Like, I've actually found it really quite interesting, and it, I, I would I would hazard a guess as to which gender because I find it is gender specific, as well. Grossly, grossly generalizing, grossly and upsetting some audio, some listeners. But I find it fascinating that one of the genders in particular loves to like add a comment on people's posts and self promote far more over the one that sort of thinks maybe that's not right. Maybe that post was, you know, specifically that person talking about the services. So I've had it, somebody is directly quoting the Robot Proof Recruiter and then they wrote book Robot Proof Recruiter, Katrina Collier. But it wasn't, the people writing the comments thought this guy had written the post. So I had to say to him, if you're going to quote my book, which I really appreciate, like, thank you for quoting my book. Could you make it really, really obvious that you're quoting my words? Because currently the way you're writing this, it looks like you've written this post, that you've written these words. And I said, like, that's plagiarism for one, but it's like you're self-promoting off the back. And this I'm finding it very interesting that I understand that salespeople and agencies, they're needing to build business. But think about how it reflects on you. Because if you jump on someone's post and you sell your services, you look bad. add a value comment and actually a lot of the robot proof recruiter when I'm talking about the outreach and the messaging and my problem with chat GPD is that people will just use it to create all of the same messages and send more spam they don't put themselves in the shoes of the candidate which I ask them to do all the time and to use the tools to find out information and to really show you've done your research and be really creative yeah exactly um and you've got to think about the sort of what you're doing in recruitment in onboarding in briefing if you know what's the end result is is making a hire and you know bringing them on board and them having a great career with with you and your company so I'm always thinking like right okay so what am I offering these people uh when I'm asking them to come and join my early stage tech startup in the middle of a tech recession um you know it's it's uh it's an interesting pitch um and a really exciting one but I you know what am I offering them like where where is their role going like what what's happening with their their position you know what's happening with their process and and that goes back to intake doesn't it yeah you get you gas that question at intake like you know what how will you know you've hired that right person at the end of that 12 months you know really powerful question chapter five of my book Steve Levy and and then it's okay, how can I reassure this person that we're not going to be another one of those failing companies? What are we doing differently? Well, we're not overhiring. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Great. Okay. Give me the evidence so that you could, if you don't ask for it in an intake, you won't have it to reassure your candidates and to keep them in process. And it's, it's, 
put your business hat on, put your candidate shoes on and ask really, really good questions. Like it's it's not like recruiters are exempt from paying the rent, mortgage, bills, kids' nursery fees. Um, like, like we all have that whole same stuff going on as our candidates. So what's important to you when you're a candidate? Like put yourself in those shoes because even if you have been, you know, in, in your recruitment role for, you know, six, seven years, um, at some point you were a candidate. Um, what did you want to know? What was important to you? Um, you know, what made you feel good? Um, what made you choose, uh, you know, sort of the, the job you're in now and, and then kind of work backwards? If somebody has been in their role for six or seven years, they really have no idea what it's like out there and just how callous it is. And I almost feel it's worthy of applying for some roles and just having a bit of an experience, even to see if you get a automatic reply. You know, even to see if you get a rejection, even just to experience it. Yeah, just just, just to see what's going on. Yeah. And I say the same with your hiring managers. You know, sometimes we just have to pull them out of their bubble. Actually, I'd like them to be called managers who hire occasionally because most of the time they're not hiring all the time. I have a big issue with those two words. Um, but it's funny because if you shift your mindset and think actually they're a manager who only hires occasionally so actually they probably don't know what they're doing I do so let me help them and it's a different energy shift isn't it and you will do better intakes and then you will say let's come out of the bubble let me show you what's going on out there let me show you how many people are available or not available and what the competition's like and what they're doing and you know come on because it's it's hard if someone hasn't changed jobs in that long they really have no idea they don't get that people have power. Yes, they do. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's changed a lot. Um, you know, in the time I've, I've been a recruiter, um, the questions people ask, um, you know, they're asking much better questions at, at kind of the early stages. I often get, you know, quite the grilling, as I, as I rightly should, um, on my screening calls. I love it. I'm like, yeah, go on. Uh, this is great. If we're really honest, a hell of a lot of tech companies overhired. And the heads that are rolling are not the heads that should be rolling. There are senior leaders who are not being held accountable for that overhiring. Instead, it's the poor, you know, engineers or poor recruiters, et cetera, who are suddenly back out in the marketplace having to look for a job because that quick, let's cut, cut the spend. And you just, gosh, you know. I mean, when I, when I was job hunting uh, in the sort of little mini boom of, of 2021, um, that was one of my key questions, actually, to, to everyone I was interviewing with. It was like, what happens if there's another another crash in the market? What happens if this is just a bubble? What happens to my job then? How do I pay my bills? How do my candidates pay their bills? Because, you know, uh, last in, first out and all that. And uh, quite a lot of companies didn't have an answer for that. Um, and I spoke to quite a few directors of TA earlier in the year when things were still a bit low. Thankfully, they are starting to get better. It's really nice to see. Um, thank God. Um, because of said bills. Um, but she was saying she realised that her company's hiring had slowed and she had two vacancies in her team. And she said, no, we're not filling these. Because she realised, like, she had that. And that's what, a, you know, the director levels, the heads of should have that business savvy. They should be out talking to the business and really finding out what's going on to protect their team as well. But, again, I still think it was higher up the food chain again that needs to be. But, anyway, we we're off topic. <laughs> We're off topic. We're off topic. Oh, what, a, that. what a shock. What a shock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, I'll probably make sure I slide that into the current book that I'm, business book I'm writing and make sure that we uh, <clears throat> put a little dig in there about, uh, you know, leaders, leaders being responsible. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So, 
thinking about you know we we've talked about sort of quite a few we've jumped jumped around a few different topics there haven't we some of the things that automation can help with so uh, you know kind of automating things that take time are super manual um and you know you can spend your time better elsewhere so for example um for me it's scheduling uh screening calls it's um you know it's automating background checking and references um hmm, i wonder what with maybe think hmm i do wonder i do wonder oh god it does save me so much time though i'm you know all all the experience the... like for the posh muckers to fill in all the paperwork is it quite easy for them as well because i've heard horror stories of people having to spend like three hours completing the paperwork to do a background check yeah so um with zinc you get sent a link and and you know i did it myself i use zinc when i onboarded um so you get you get sent a link um mm. either a text message or an email and mm. you click the link it tells you what you need to fill out um you can do uh you know depending on sort of visas and things like that um mm. but uh you know me uh with a, a uk passport i could do my right to work check online take a selfie to verify my my um my passport and my id which then automates like the address cool. checks and credit checks um wow. like that. so loads of the checks went bam 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 really quickly some of them uh, you know sort also of take, super uh, creepy but great super creepy <laughs> but great but, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah if you've got to be honest if you've got nothing to hide who cares you know like exactly, exactly. i mean i i knew there weren't going to be any surprises it automates kind of sending out reference requests and then um you know sort of we i now i suppose because uh, i run the checks now um i've got kind of questions that you know so we ask you know which one of our company values do you think this person matches if if they want to if they can leave a written reference um you know what's the sign that this person needs more help um and and they might be struggling um which again is optional um but a lot of people do fill that out and um yeah um and that's that's really really useful information um because it's something that actually tells me something that I might not have gleaned from from asking them um because that's a very difficult question for somebody to answer I I might struggle myself um but you know it's, it's useful data and then it, it just automates everything so you know I you don't lose people in, in that pre-board period exactly I I worked for an FCA regulated company in my previous role before I joined Zinc. And so I had to do pretty much the exact same set of background checks. And it took, I think, about three weeks. Um, mm. You lose people in three weeks. Yeah, it took three weeks. I had to, you know, and it's no fault to the company. They they didn't use Zinc. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not sure she's plugged it enough. Anyone? <laughs> um. No, but it, it's been, if we go back to the, you know, it took three weeks. They're opening a laptop, they're interviewing, they're interviewing, they're interviewing, and they're gone because they've got bills to pay. They can't wait three weeks to start a job. You know, some people are, are available. They're not. Yeah. And and my, my zinc checks, courtesy of, of um, you know, my my previous employer getting the, the reference done super quickly, turned around in I think about three days. Um and, and the only the only bit that took long was my university confirming that my degree certificate wasn't fake. Um so so there we go and and that is just so much quicker you know if i want to offer you know uh an sdr a customer success person um you know anybody really on the friday and they can start the monday i don't want background checks to mean that i've got to push their start date back which is what i used to have to do um you know i've worked in quite a few regulated industries telecoms pharmaceuticals cybersecurity public sector and and yeah, like like it's just something that doesn't need to take loads of time. And that is a really nice example of how you can use a robot 
yeah. and I don't again I I, I don't I, it's funny because <laughs> yeah it's called the robot proof recruiter so people think I hate tech I'm an avid avid fan of tech I love tech no problems using it I've got all sorts of gadgets and gizmos sitting in front of me oh god I've even got one that's to help me sit upright right it buzzes if I'm not sitting upright right I've got everything um all sorts going actually I've got randomly things charging next to me which I won't share like you know anyway I uh, like my digital fire alarm and stuff like that but my problem is how people use it and you know I said this before we came alone it's like having a grand piano and only being able to play chopsticks it's like learn to use it, use the tools, use the technology to create a better human experience. That's it. That, that's the fundamentals. And I explain that because I started and I was trained by some people who are very much about people-centric recruitment. And it's, I mean, fundamentally, it's like get, do a better intake and use the tools better. That, that's what needs to happen. So, but, you know, the the second book that I'm currently writing, so the the new business book, uh, which will be called Conquer Hiring. Um, and it is for your leaders and managers. It is not for recruiters. And I'm not writing about the entire recruitment process. I'm very focused on the intake, the job brief kickoff, whatever you would like to call it. And I'm going to explain to them what talent acquisition is and does and give them some examples of how they differ. So from the startups to the big ones, I haven't written that chapter yet, but that's my plan. So they can actually understand because TA is a new function and the vast majority of people have no clue what we do or what the function does. Yeah. Shocker, I know, but they don't, right? We have a reputation problem. Yeah. The, the book is, I, I, I came into the year and I was like, oh God, 20 years in recruitment. Ugh. You know, and, and as you say, thank you to the thousands upon thousands of people who bought the Robot Proof Recruiter and that's amazing. But uh, you're doing one half right? You're pushing and asking for intakes and you're saying, I need this and we need to do this and rah, rah, and you're hitting your heads against brick wall. And I thought, I need to write a book for the other side. Much more general. Look, these people, they're managers who recruit occasionally. Very few managers recruit consistently. Many of them have never been trained how to do it. Many of them are blagging it. They don't know what they're doing. So I want to give them a little roadmap of how they can go into the intake ready, prepared, understanding how to articulate what they need and understanding that they must partner with a recruiter, whether that's in-house or external, to fill a role. And it's a partnership. So that's what that is going to be when I finish it. Um, <laughs> and the reason I wanted to call I, I wanted to call it Conquer Hiring is because I think that if you can knock that one out of the park, if you can get that intake right, the rest of the recruitment process will just flow. But it's the most undervalued part. It's the part that every recruiter says to me, my hiring managers, my managers that hire, fob me off, fob me off. Oh, yeah. And I'm sick yeah. of it. The amount of times I've gone, let's have an intake meeting. And, you know, they've they've kind of sat sideways in their chair, uh, you know, arm over the rest, like ha head in their, their other hand and gone, yeah, so um, it's, um, yeah, the role, I mean, it's the same as last time we hired it. Well, it's um, not. What more do you And need? the reason it's not is because the last time you hired it, you, you hired, right, Sophie, and Sophie had these skills, and then she gained a few more, and then some other team members gained some other more, and now you don't need a Sophie Shapes person. You, you, you need a Bob or a whatever, a Brenda. I have no idea I said Brenda. How random. But anyway, you need something else, right? So it's... It, and it's this Steve Levy question that's in chapter five and my favorite power question. How will you know at the end of 12 months that you've hired the right person? That will get them, mirror them when they're doing that, by the way. Sit back, lean back, take that power stance they're taking. 
do, mirror their body language and go, so how will you know in the end of 12 months you've hired the right person? And then you shut up. That's the important thing. And you really listen. You listen on an empathetic lesson level to what they're not saying. And you just start writing anything they say. And then as they go along, you go, what else? This is Sue Ingram. I just learned this training with her, this, this big workshops we're doing. What, and what else? And you say, what else three times? Now, my, my other one, and this comes from Michelle Zelly, who helped me with my childhood trauma. If they say, I don't know, you go, and if you did know. It's powerful. You can't let them off the hook. It, I don't know. I don't know. And if you did know. And it's all the tone and the pace and then mirror their, their arrogant stance and wait and just wait. People, if you give them the space to start talking, we'll start talking and we'll tell you so much in just a couple of minutes or, or maybe record it on your phone if that's easier. They will tell you so much. Actually, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Record it so that you don't have to write so you can actually listen and then ask another deeper question. But just that you will be stunned. Yeah. In the same way that we train our hiring managers when they're interviewing to use W questions to probe further into candidates' answers to get to the bottom of what they're really saying. Okay, you used we a lot there. So what part did you play? How did you do that? What was the outcome? Why did you choose to do that? You need to do the same with your intake meetings. And that's a huge part of what I've been working on uh, so far uh, and sort of revamping the, the hiring process here at Zinc for, for sort of our, our scaling period this year. And the the all the bits that happen before the advert yeah. goes out, uh, that's that's the bit that I've really overhauled and, and really kind of pushed. Crucial, crucial part. And then, you know, even them understanding their job post and a job advert. And do we even need to do that? Maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe that's actually a waste of everyone's time to go out with a job post. You know, it's like that real, but it's that, and you're right, the W questions, but the what questions more than the why questions. Why are you doing that? Oh, I feel a bit defensive. Well, what led you to that process? Oh, what led me to that process? It's funny how, again, that comes from the work I've done from my childhood, but the what's and the why's, like use the what questions more. Occasionally you have to throw in a why, but it's that. And sometimes it's just pushing back and querying. Um, one of the recruiters I was mentoring, it was why are there two five people panels in the interview process? What, like, what, what, and so she went in with the, what what process led us here? Like who decided this would be a great thing to do? Like how long has this been in play? And suddenly it was like, actually, we don't need this. Someone decided eons ago, this is stupid to get rid of it. And suddenly her whole recruitment world opened up because she dared to challenge. Um, but I just think it's the really that just own your expertise. Um, Sue brought to, to this workshops we're doing with Dean V. She's brilliant. She drew these mountains and she got everyone in teams and got them to write their mountains of expertise. Like, what do you now know as a recruiter that you didn't know? Like, what have you learned and what skills do you use every single day? So that's all that human stuff, the empathy, the compassion, the curiosity, the creativity. And, and when you see that and you suddenly go, we're a team, we've got 50, 60 years of experience and it includes all of that. Even if you're new, you can look and go, I can tap into that. You'll go into that intake or that job brief or whatever you want to call it in your power and be much more confident to go, look, you, you get, I get it. You're an expert in what you do, but I'm an expert in recruitment and together we're going to fill the role. So, mm. 100%. Yeah, you touched really nicely on the sort of ask the question, 
sort of uh and then just say nothing and it's something Ruth Penfold Brown when I spoke to her earlier this year in in our episode about uh it's time for HR teams to bloom which I loved well that would be her wouldn't it for her bloom coaching program <laughs> actually I, I I love I love I love the, so the cheesy titles I I, I love yeah. the pun um so I've come up with quite a few and I'm, I'm quite proud of them but um you know she she talks about that when folks uh particularly female presenting folks are negotiating salaries but it stands as well for when you're trying to you know Jesse mentioned it in a previous episode as well all these amazing women I've spoken to I've been really fortunate that they wanted to to come on my podcast and, and thank you very much to all of you um and Jesse also talked about you know we talk about talent needing a seat at the table. They need to take a seat at the table, blah, blah, blah. Everybody says it's like, it's the most insightful thing ever. Uh, and I love the way Jesse sort of talks about it. Like, yeah, sure. We know that already, but what's the, so what? And, and it is, you, it's all well and good having that seat and pulling it up, but you need to hold it and own it and hold your power. And sometimes silence is, is the best tool. She says <laughs> as the host of a podcast and talks nonstop, but. Oh yeah. I mean, people would say to me, oh my God, you know, you talk so much, but I also, I do listen. And my friends know that. They hear me, they stop. Sometimes I'm babbling and I'll go, I'm babbling, I'm aware. Like I haven't seen anyone for ages because I live on my own and I'm at home and I'm like, oh my God, Sophie, blah, blah, blah. You know, when we had dinner, I'm like, blah, blah. And then I stop and they're like, right, now I listen, you know. So sometimes people don't believe, but it is so powerful. And I think also being vulnerable, it's really powerful to go, I don't know what that means. Can you explain that to me another way? What do you mean when you say this? I mean, I've stood on stage in front of like a thousand recruiters and I've given a presentation on something and then somebody every time in the comments, the question bit will ask me something not related to my presentation that I can't answer. And I will go, I have no idea. Does anyone here have an answer? And I'll let the audience answer. And people love it because I'm just going, I don't know. And I can't possibly know everything, but the power comes from you've got your recruitment expertise. You can't possibly understand their job as well as they do or the person that they're hiring it's like explain it to me another way. Be honest. I can't go out to the market and and woo these people and engage them and get them through the recruitment process with all the noise out there if you don't give me this time up front. And I think the other thing as well, going back to the hiring managers, the managers who occasionally hire, um, it is a mouthful. I get why I keep saying the other one, but walk away, walk away. Oh, you, oh, it's this role cannot be that important to you if you can't give me a brief. So come back to me when it is. Shock them. Yeah, make them up. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I've 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 done it before. Um, how how to how to put a head of products nose out of joint, volume one. Um, when you tell them that you're not going to work on their their role until they can articulate what problem they're solving, what success looks like, all of that good stuff. And go, cool. It doesn't sound like you're ready to hire yet. That's absolutely fine. Um, how about we give it two weeks, and then we meet again and and reconnect, and you know you can reiterate what you're thinking about. Talk to them in in product language if you want, and. Yeah, I think when I started doing that six, seven years ago, uh, the uproar it would cause is, is something else. Whereas it's such an important part of the hiring culture at Zinc that people go, you're right. Okay, yeah, I need to go back through the, the type form for the briefing meeting, go through all the questions again, look at some ideal profiles, have a think about what success looks like and, and let's meet again and talk about it in a week. And, and do you know why? Because... I'm not going to end up wasting my time interviewing a hundred unsuitable people or whatever, right? I'm not going to waste my time, my energy. And then it's, if you've asked that 
what's the cost to the bottom line? What's the cost to you personally if we get, don't get this person? What's the cost of the project? What's the cost to your team if we don't get this person in? When you have that ammunition as well, like you've asked that. Like, yeah, my team's at breaking point. They can't take on the roles and responsibilities of somebody else. I'm going to lose even more people. Great, well, give me a 45 minutes up front for goodness sake so we can get the right person fast. Like stop being stupid. It's like just... You know, but again, sit up, take respect. We are older senior recruiters. We know how to do this, you know, we've got, and I understand some of your listeners will be younger, but it's, you know, your stuff, you know, the marketplace, you know how challenging it is. You need to be able to articulate what that person is looking for with such confidence that people will go, oh, I want to know more. And you've got seconds to do that. Yeah. We're looking for a product person to come in and fix this problem and we need them to start in three weeks. What do you reckon? You know, boom, right in their face. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. That's really exciting. I I think that is a super punchy, action-packed, loads of tips. Why aren't you doing them already? Note to end this episode on. What do you think, Katrina? I think that's exactly why I wrote my book as punchly because I I want to slap people in the forehead. So I like it to end there as well. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was I, I've I've loved that. Um, I feel all fired up now, and hopefully everybody listening does as well. Oh yeah, by the way, you know, yeah, if you're fired up and you get fired, that's sorry, didn't mean that had happened. So don't get too fired up. Yeah, don't get too fired up. <laughs> get appropriately fired up. Yeah, <laughs> get fired up, get productive. Don't get fired up, get angry. That won't help you. Um, but if people loved what they heard and they want to learn more about your work, uh, get in touch with you about some workshops, hear about your your books, follow for when they're they're coming out in the future as well. Where's the best place for them to find you? Um, well, katrinacollier.com, very complicated website. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, but please send me a personalised invite connect explaining that you heard me here. That would be lovely. Um, I do have a LinkedIn newsletter as well. I have a rant once a fortnight. Um, usually very hands-on, useful information. So there's that. I don't know. I'm very easy to find. So thank you places. very much for joining me. This has been so much fun and hopefully folks listening would agree with me. Um, drop a comment, let me know what you think. Um, and this has been Talent House for Scale-Ups. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Zinc. Zinc is an all-in-one background and reference checking software that supercharges the capabilities of ambitious HR and hiring teams. Our range of integrated solutions turn bad to brilliant, saving weeks of team time all while building brand love. Thanks for listening.